I'm Ruthie, host of Out There, here on Valley Free Radio. Tune in for stories from the streets and paths of Northampton and beyond, Fridays from 4 to 5 p.m. Get out if you can, but if you can't get out, tune in. We don't care if we live out of date. We don't care if we live a bit late. And it, and it is Friday, June 30th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to Out There today. Last Friday, I don't know what played last Friday, because last Friday I was in Virginia with a load of bicycles taking them to the port in Norfolk with my friend Kalia. And that's what today's show is going to be about. Uh, I've mentioned on a bunch of past shows between, I don't know, February until now, about this project to try and get some bicycles shipped or put on a sailboat that's sailing to Haiti. And um, yeah, it finally happened. Well, at least the part about getting the bicycles from the bike lab in Northampton to a marina in the Chesapeake Bay. They didn't actually go on the boat because the boat is has to has to have some repairs. So they're in a storage place with some used sails that are also going on the boat and some medical supplies and things. And so today's show is all about that trip and interviews with the captain and crew from the Zipard boat, 97-foot sailboat that's sailed up from Mexico and is in Norfolk now and maybe will be headed to Haiti soon, maybe during hurricane season. Hopefully they can avoid them. I think maybe I'll start with Kalia here. So, Kalia, it's Sunday June 25th, 2023, we're on our way back from dropping off the bikes in, 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 where was it? Norfolk, Virginia. Or Hampton, wherever the end of final drop-off point ended up being. Um, thank you so much for driving. It was like, uh, how long did it take to get down there? Uh, it took us like nine and a half hours to get down there. Uh, driving a 15-foot U-Haul. So how was the drive for you? The drive was a little scary, but I made it, especially going over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, Bridge Tunnel. <laughs> it was very scary, that part of the drive, but I am so glad we made it. Can you describe that bridge tunnel? It is above water. It's a very long stretch and very narrow for me, it seemed. And to be driving this 15-foot truck and this narrow stretch of the way and it's so close to the water that was scary it's a large body of water around it yeah it's gotta be like 15 miles long at least or something very very long so it's a bridge it starts out as a bridge with four lanes like two separated one in each direction two lanes in each direction separated on the bridge two bridges and then it and then the bridges merge and come together as a tunnel as a and each lane becomes one lane, and there's one tunnel with one lane going in each direction at 55 miles an hour, uh-huh. with like no double, just one single yellow line. Yeah, <laughs> that was very scary in the tunnel. Yeah, I was very cautious about not like hitting anyone, just going straight. I just like stay straight, straight ahead. Because there's also buses and tractor trailers coming through there too. Everything is coming through there. <laughs> And we found out, well, actually, when we were listening to the to Ms. Google give us, who, who her name was, give us directions, the map, Ms. Ways, give us mm-hmm. directions, 
at one point we were, once we were getting near the tunnel she said oh, there's an accident on the tunnel and a traffic slowdown and then later we found out when we saw in the paper a couple days later that a little bit before we had come through um, a man driving a moving truck had gone over the edge into the water and died I pulled him body up out of the cab. I'm glad we did not know that before we went over that tunnel. I probably wouldn't have drive over that bridge <laughs> that into the tunnel. <laughs> and then on the way back last night on the bus, the bus went through that tunnel and, or that bridge tunnel and this is like midnight, between midnight and one in the morning and that tunnel, that bridge is so long. I was falling asleep and I'd wake up, I fell asleep I woke up, I fell asleep over three times I woke up, I wake up to see where we were, three times I fell asleep, three times I woke up and we were still on that bridge, or in that tunnel. <laughs> yeah, I didn't close my eyes, I was very scared. <laughs> I was watching, I was looking out the window and I'm like, this guy is a very skilled driver because he, he was able to do it well, Yeah. without no hesitation or seem like fear. Yeah. But for me, at some one point, my left leg was like shaking from nervousness uh-huh. and I just keep it calmed down uh-huh. and then try to tunnel through because the, the it was very scary. <laughs> <laughs> so this whole project of trying to get these bicycles to the Chesapeake Bay to get on this boat, there's been a lot of stop and go and stop and go and stop and go. I mean, thinking we're going, we're not, thinking we're going, we're not. And you've been really flexible the last I don't know, four months or however long it's been to be available to do this trip when the boat arrived in port. More like on the emotional level. Like for me, it's like, we're going, we're not, we're going. But you, but you I mean, you I you was were, excited to yeah, go. Yeah. I was looking forward to going. And then we're not going. And then we're going. <laughs> and then we're not. Um, but it was all right. I'm just glad I got to do it. Well, what motivated you to do it? Well, it's going on a trip with you, Ruthie, and doing something nice for people in a poor country, sending them bicycles so they can ride and be exercising and having fun like we do. Plus, how we put about the boat? We got to check out a boat. I uh, yeah, we got to sleep before. on a ship. We never <laughs> slept on a ship before in a little cabin with a bunk bed. It was really cool. And then we went to Virginia Beach yesterday, took the U-Haul to Virginia Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Drove the U-Haul to the beach. <laughs> It was fun. I, this was my second time in Virginia Beach and I loved it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for getting us there safely. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank God. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing I want to say about our trip is how I felt so separated from nature on it. Just so many miles of asphalt and cars and trucks and stoplights and asphalt and gas stations and asphalt and then like in Norfolk and Virginia Beach. I remember at one point yesterday we were walking to catch to the bus station. I counted like seven lanes of traffic just in one direction. I couldn't even see across the seven lanes across the median to the other lane or to the other direct direction to see how many lanes were there. And like when you went across last night to go to cross the street to get cigarettes, how was that? Yeah, it was like seven lanes um, boat going and coming. So I went to the median, middle, the median. Yeah. And then um, I waited, and then I finally gets across. That's how you have to do it. Yes, <laughs> I saw a lot of people trying to dart across like squirrels or something. And then at one point, where I was crossing the street to go to the food line, there was a um, there was like a there was like a flower memorial where I assumed a pedestrian or cyclist had been killed. 
that was in, yeah, Norfolk. But it makes me really appreciate the development, like the ways that people have tried to control some of that sprawl in Western Mass um, and the, the planning end of things to, to, to prevent just more land being paved over and paved over and paved over and paved over. It was an eye-opener how it is in Virginia. <laughs> that was an interview with Kalia Richards, who drove the truck full of bikes down. Uh, I don't have a license. I wouldn't have wanted to do that by myself, even if I did. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm your host, Ruthie Woodring, and this is Karimi. Mes amis, mes amis, mes amis, ça fait des hommes pas well. Pays moins changé couleur. Ça fait des hommes qui t'aiment. Figuili marqué misère. Ou plutôt ferme des jeunes. Fais semblant ça va changer. Nous plutôt ferme des jeunes. Des petites pas nous pas tourner, mes amis. Haïti. Yo 
dit sereine qu'avait pas même dans CIA. Sensible à la gâchette. Sensible à la gâchette. Yo dit mais nous Jackie pas même dans CIA. Sensible à la gâchette. Sensible à la gâchette. Mais c'est pas ni poli pas même dans CIA. Sensible à la gâchette. Sensible à la gâchette. translation sounds to me like it's kind of like a love song for Haiti amidst a lot of political violence going on. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm your host, Truthy Woodring. Today's show is about getting a bunch of bicycles from Northampton from the bike lab down to the Chesapeake Bay, Norfolk, Virginia, to put on a sailboat to that's headed for Haiti. And the next interview I have is with Captain Ray of the sailboat. I'm Captain Ray uh, of International Rescue Group. And what is this International Rescue Group? How did it come about? Um, it is intended to be um, disaster relief and humanitarian aid uh, to island and coastal communities. And for the, about the last 10 years, um, we've been doing exactly that in the Caribbean, mainly um, in islands like Dominica, um, Puerto Rico and Haiti um, uh, in helping after typically hurricanes and hurricane uh, tropical storm disasters um, but also in places like Haiti um, since the 2010 earthquake uh, they've been needing continued aid um, and especially now when things are really bad um, and the president was assassinated nearly two years ago and the government has totally failed uh, people are getting nothing in the way of services at all. So as an example, we have a cabin full of medical supplies which we hope will um, go towards filling a dispensary of a, of a hospital on our target um, location, Ile Avash, which is a little island on the south of Haiti. And you've lived there before? You spent time there before? Yeah, I, I actually lived there for a while um, in between missions um, and in between boats. 
Uh -huh. um, and uh, so I got to know pretty much most of the people uh, in Port Morgan, which is the main village or city. Uh -huh. <laughs> they would call it a city, we would call it a village. Uh -huh. uh, but the main city, and the, the island only has about 17,000 people. Uh -huh. um, so the main port is Port Morgan, um, what, what they call locally Kaycock. Um, and uh, that's where we've been focusing our aid uh, on an annual basis, more than sometimes two times a year, um, uh, over the last few years. Uh -huh. This last year and a half, two years, has been. What, how, what have you been focusing on the last couple of years? Yeah, uh, well, the last couple of years or more, in fact, um, have been pretty tough because uh, we had to refit the boat, and we had an engine failure. Um, and the plan was to refit the boat as much as we could in Mexico, uh, which we kept doing until we ran out of money, which was frequently. <laughs> um, and then um, to sail the boat up here to where we are now, which is Norfolk, Virginia. Um, you know, we're in the Chesapeake Bay and Annapolis area, you know, where you can get parts and help. Um, and we were able to get donated docking space. Um, so that'll make it easier for us to actually transport an engine, a replacement engine to the boat um, and install it, which we're going to do mostly ourselves. If you didn't have donated docking space, how much does it cost to dock a boat like this? How is, and how big is this boat? This boat's overall is about 97 feet. Um, so it's very hard to find docking space and even when we do it's really expensive and um, I've had quotes of between $1,000 and $2,000 a month and excuse the meowing is one of our Mexican cats that we rescued Nacho <laughs> I think American cats would do the same thing <laughs> well these yes but these meow in a Spanish accent okay. um, so can you talk a little bit about your journey up here like in Progresso, like the, yeah, all the different boat okay. issues you've had. So yeah, so we were hauled out um, in, a, in a place um, that's really basically a fishing town called Progresso, um, which is not far from Cancun, which is a place that many Americans have heard of, um, on the Yucatan coast of Mexico, uh, in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, so we were in Yucatan, uh, there's a yard that was able to haul our boat out, which is important because this is a hundred ton boat. Uh, so the travel lift has to be able to actually lift up a boat of this size. And where we were, they're, they're doing, uh, in fact, they own a lot of fishing vessels, uh, wood, would you believe, and steel. Um, the, some of the fishing boats are older than I am, and I was born at a very early age. <laughs> So, um, uh, anyway, the, the yard was very capable of accepting our boat and also didn't have requirements um, such as, you know, all the parts and the labor had to be supplied by the yard, which is very common in the USA. Uh -huh. And, you know, they charge you premium rates and we uh -huh. just simply couldn't afford that kind of money. So we did most of the work ourselves and only hiring help when we, you know, specialist jobs when we needed to. Uh -huh. So that was Progresso. Um, but unfortunately, sailing back um, to the USA to, to get a good engine, which we found difficult to find in Mexico, uh, to get a good engine here in the States, we had to sail back. And of course, sailing without an engine. And this is a heavy, big old sailboat to sail without an engine. But we did it. And, um, you know, we, we, we sailed from Yucatan to Miami first. Um, and then from Miami, we were due to sail directly here to Chesapeake Bay, but we got caught by a very powerful storm. And um, we tried to run for um, safety in Beaufort, uh, North Carolina, which is just south of Cape Hatteras. Uh -huh. 
Um, and Cape Hatteras is a bad place to be caught out in a storm. Uh-huh. It's got, they call it the ship boneyard of America. Um, but anyway, so we tried to pull into Beaufort and we got caught by the storm and we got hit by literally hurricane force winds um, that caused some damage. But we were helped by the local Maritime Museum people um, and um, they gave us a free dock. Um, uh-huh. for you know uh, the Maritime Museum dock for a month while we were getting our act back together uh-huh. and then it took us you know basically four weeks to find weather uh, good uh-huh. wind to sail to Chesapeake you know around Cape Hatteras uh-huh. um, and that took us li- literally we were wait- we were looking at the weather every single day trying to get a weather window to sail and finally we've got it and so just over a week ago wasn't it time flies it feels like we've been here for months now but it's about five days I think <laughs> um, we finally made it here um, and um, and now we're at a dock and uh, we've got to go and get our engine which we sourced and uh, we're renting a pickup truck gonna go get the engine and come back and install the engine so we hope to be away to Haiti um, in you know between six and eight weeks okay so Wait, this engine is on the West Coast. You're driving to the West Coast to get this engine? Unfortunately, the <laughs> best deal we could find was the, uh, through friends um, that I've had for a long time. I used to live in California. Uh-huh. Um, so through friends, I managed to source a very nice six-cylinder Perkins engine. Um, unfortunate, and, and it's got a provenance through friends that you know, we know it was a good engine when it was taken out. It's a used uh-huh. engine. So anyway, we decided the best way to, to get it is to just rent a pickup truck. Uh-huh. with unlimited mileage uh-huh. <laughs> and um, do a road trip and so every, uh-huh. now the crew is excited about leaving the boat and getting a two-week road trip across uh-huh. the states and back <laughs> to get the engine and the transmission and the engines in Napa Valley Marina would you believe uh, and the transmission is in Portland Oregon so we got a 7,000 mile road trip coming up <laughs> Wow! and the crew being you Daisy and Paul that's right I couldn't I like how different like Aren't there any engines equivalent? Well, obviously you couldn't find anything, a better deal. How much would a new engine cost on the market? Oh, most people who repower a boat like ours would spend, would budget about $50,000. 50000 Yes, yes. Oh, I see why you're driving to the West Coast now. And we, including <laughs> the purchase of the engine, our budget is probably more like four or 5000 <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we live bare bones and we, we get by somehow, uh-huh. uh, you know, with our own sweat equity. So, when you first left um, Progresso, you had some boat troubles. Can you talk about that? Oh, well, yeah, we first tried to leave Progresso last year, and our mizzenmast, which is made of wood, both of our masts are made of wood, and the mizzenmast split um, pretty badly. I mean, the thing was bending forward about 30 degrees and almost broke and fell off. How, how tall is the mizzenmast? The mizzenmast is about 45 feet and the mainmast uh, is um, about um, six, 75 feet. So anyway, the mizzenmast could have brought the mainmast down because they're connected with a triatic stay. So that could have been a bit of a disaster, but we, we, we caught it, we saw the problem after 100 miles or so, a couple of hundred miles, and we just turned around on our heel in a very disappointed, dejected <laughs> sail back to Progresso and had to haul out again. And I had to get a crane to pull the mast out. And we found that two thirds of the wood in a bad section of the mast was just rotted through. And um, I had to uh, scrape it out by hand with a chisel and lay in some new wood with glue and epoxy. But anyway, we got started again. and. Um, 
Paul joined us uh, as chief engineer mm-hmm. and uh, fixed, did some amazing work in getting, the, getting us going. And off we went again. You're listening to an interview with Captain Ray Thackeray of International Rescue Group, captain of the boat, the Zipard. It's a boat that's taken a bunch of bicycles to Haiti. I've got more from Captain Ray, also from Paul, one of the crew, and Daisy, another one of the crew. Lightning speed, yeah. Take a seat and wait till I'm ready. I'm coming, so hold on steady, yeah. Big ships sailing on the ocean. We don't need no commotion. Big ships sailing on the ocean. Oh, say big ships sailing on the ocean. gets rough, the wind is blowing and the fishes keep moving, what are you doing Mr. Man, sit down, hold on tight, get ready cause we're sailing, big ships sailing on the ocean, we don't need no commotion, big ships sailing on the ocean, get ready cause we're moving, big ships sailing on the ocean. McGregor. Thanks for listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. Today I'm Ruthie Woodring. Back to the interview with Captain Ray and the crew, Paul and Daisy, on this boat soon to be headed from the Chesapeake Bay down to Haiti with bicycles and medical supplies and sails, used sails and 
many other things. Uh, so, Ray, how old is this boat and where did it come from? Well, the boat was built in Holland and is known by most people as a Dutch catch style boat. Um, and we don't have any history except for some black and white photos of the original construction. So um, we don't have any history of when she was built. I've even tried to call the manufacturer, but they've gone out of business decades ago. So uh, there's only folklore and the knowledge that was handed down from owner to owner. Um, so bottom line is we think the boat was built in the early 60s. And we know that she was refitted by a, an Englishman who bought the boat in 1978. Mm -hmm. And he had the boat gutted and all of the new carpentry and cabins and everything were put in uh -huh. in 1978. And then that's when she was re first registered in, um, to go into the charter trade in the Bahamas, um, but registered in uh, the USA. And so we actually have a paper trail from 1970, in, in the late 70s, I think. What does that mean, the charter, the charter or whatever? Yeah, she was in charter, and I have this confirmed because the person who used to own the charter company saw us in the Bahamas a few years ago and came dinging oh. over and said, I, I used to have this boat wow. as part of my charter operation. A very, a very old woman, she was about 95. Wow. Yeah, and uh, she said she would get in touch, but she forgot. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean, in charter? Oh, and in charter means uh, the boat was... Be was, was for hire, um, taking people for voyages around the Bahamas. Uh -huh. And in fact, um, I actually met a guy who, as a young man, was one of the crewmen aboard this very boat. And he came to visit and he brought us the logbook that he kept one of the logbooks from one of the voyages. Uh -huh. And it's actually here in our library. And, um, uh, and it, in, without doubt, it is the correct logbook for this boat. Wow. Um, and so, uh, this boat was named after the previous owner. Uh, his name was Ed, uh, Edward Martin. Um, and he called the boat Sir Martin too. <laughs> and um, he was the donor of this boat who donated it to us nearly 10 years ago. Um, and um, we found out the original name of this boat was actually Zeepard, which is Dutch for seahorse. And in fact, um, our telegraph, the engine room telegraph in our wheelhouse actually still says Zipard. Um, uh -huh. So we know that is correct. And uh, so we've renamed the boat and uh, she's now known as sailing vessel Zipard of International Rescue Group. So what, how much of the time do you spend in port or, on, or docked? And how much of the time have you spent actually like on the water, would you say? When we're on the water and working, we were anchored, anchored out. In various places almost the whole time. Um, the only time I ever managed to get docking space was when we were getting some free docking space for loading and unloading medical supplies and disaster relief supplies. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Okay. In which case normally I can get a week at a dock or something like yeah. that, yeah. you know, for donated for free. Yeah. We just can't afford that kind of money. We just... <laughs> well, it just seems like money for repairs. Like if a... Mm. Yeah, money for repairs seems like the biggest... The biggest work yeah. of this boat sometimes. That's our biggest expense and that's why we're moving the boat to the Philippines um, because um, repairing this boat you know is, is mainly labor and I'm at the point in my life where I just don't want to be on my knees with an angle grinder grinding rust and painting every single day for the rest of my life. Yeah. In the Philippines though you can get labor uh, you know and, and people are glad of the job you know for um, for how much daisy is it per day labor rate? 300, 400 pesos. Call it 400 pesos, including benefits. That's medical benefits, which they hardly ever get. Uh -huh. 
Um, so, you know, I'd be quite happy to have literally two full-time, you know, workers doing the basic task, keeping the boat maintained, uh -huh. which is something we just haven't been able to do for the last 10 uh -huh. years. Do you, ever, do you ever worry that it's not seaworthy? No, no, not really. Good. Paul's chief engineer, he thinks he thinks we're sinking frequently, but... <laughs> yeah, Paul? We haven't yet. How's the boat doing? Uh, it's still afloat. <laughs> So, okay, so when you go to Haiti, what's your plan? You just drop the stuff and go as quick as possible? So Haiti's in a bit of a mess at the moment, and it's an insecure place for, for foreign visitors. Um, so mission, <coughs> missionaries and um, anybody else who's been operating in Haiti, in non-profit and NGOs, they've almost completely abandoned the island. And, you know, quite rationally, because there's a, there was a lot of kidnapping, um, ransoms, and even killings. So it's very dangerous and it's overrun by gangs. There is no effective government in Haiti at the moment. Now, the island community that we've been serving of Ilavash, which means Cow Island, uh, the, it's a little island on the south of Haiti and it's been out of the way of the gangs. And um, I know a lot of the people on the islands, including church missionaries who are still there and who are actually coordinating our delivery. Um, and they tell me it's not a problem, just come right in, we'll look after you. Well, even that I cannot take for granted, because if, if, if we go into the bay, uh, it takes us an hour or so to get out of the bay. And if we're in the bay and uh, the gangs on the mainland five miles away get to hear that there's a big you know, American boat in, uh, they could be in fast pangas in no time and overrun us. So what we're doing is we're going to follow a sister ship um, that, that was uh, in Haiti a few weeks ago, um, uh, a ship that used to belong to our international rescue group, but we sold it to the existing captain. Um, and they uh, took some cargo, they took solar panels to Haiti. And the way they did it was they found a little anchorage on the back of the island that's away from the mainland. And they just sailed straight there um, and they're coordinated to be met by sea water taxis, which are big uh, South American pangas. And so the water taxis came, they just dropped the cargo into the water taxis, and uh, they, they put, pulled the anchor up and left straight away. Um, and unfortunately, although I'd love to spend a week there or two weeks getting to know the people again and, you know, enjoying being on land in Haiti, you know, for the safety of the ship and the crew, I just can't do that. So we're going to do the same thing, and we're going to discharge our cargo um, effectively in, in a piratical way, like smugglers, um, and um, uh, let, let it be dealt with by the church on land. And uh, so we're going to be reluctant, reliant on the church to send us pictures and videos and and uh, movie clips of the you know of the um, uh, of the cargoes being transferred to the recipients in Ilavash. And in the meantime, we sail directly to Panama. And so that's the safest way we can do it. And there is a real, actual, you know, real um, piracy going on. So we have to take a route um, that is less known, that I actually know, um, to get to Ilavash, um, where we're going to be encountering the least number of fishing boats that could be turning into pirates. Mm -hmm. Uh, in fact, the route I've chosen over probably 10, 15 trips past that route, I've never seen a single boat. So uh, mm. I, I, know, I know my waters mm. <laughs> around the area. Cool. I mean, you, 
So, Ray, you don't get seasick, but the rest of the crew does, right? Paul, Daisy? Yeah, yeah I do. Generally for the first at least five days being at sea, I feel very sick. Oh. But you get, it eases off after five, five days-ish, something like that. And it depends on the weather and how rough it is. So. But you've been, it was like you left Progresso and then you're seasick, came back. You left again, you're seasick again. You went to Miami. They left Miami, yeah. you're seasick again yeah, for five days. Yeah, I am um, sick again. So you've, for like you've left five. port like four times yeah. to get from Mexico to yeah. the Chesapeake Bay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. How about you, Daisy? You get seasick? Uh, yes, always, every day. <laughs> what, what, what do you do when you get seasick? Uh, I sleep. <laughs> uh. Because that's only I can handle my, my health for sleep. But there's like you got to keep the boat afloat and sailing and going like you can't be sleeping the whole time right yeah i can sleep the whole time because i'm very sick you don't see daisy for the first two or three days at least oh for the first yes. two or three days yes. and you all stick with it <laughs> yeah. the benefits must outweigh the downsides mm. <laughs> hopefully one day well i hope it feels great once you drop the load and move well anyway well thanks for doing what you do I have a couple more interviews coming up, one with Paul and one with Daisy. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. This is the crew driving the boat, boat sailing the boat to Haiti with bicycles and stuff. Here's Wycliffe Sean with Lady Haiti. I'm in love with Lady Haiti, and when they call me to the Grammys, I wrap the flag all around me, because I'm in love with Lady Haiti. So I love they call me crazy. I left the music with the hating. Even though they try to stop me. I seen the earth shake right under her feet. She told me, baby, don't weep. I'm sitting on Oprah, tears in my eyes. I knew your story ever since a kid. Develop a crush when I heard what you did. 1804, you made my people free. You the reason I feel like I could be anything. I'm in love with Lady Haiti, and when they call me to the Grammys, I wrap the flag all around me, cause I'm in love with Lady Haiti, I'm so in love they call me crazy, I left the music with the hating, even though they try to stop me, I'm in love with Lady
kid, not that kid. No pas j'en panique. Friday, June 23rd, 2023. I'm in Hampton, Virginia with Paul Brown. And the echo is because we are in the back of an empty U-Haul truck. It's empty. We just emptied the bikes and stuff out of it at the Salt Con Marina um, storage space the space that the owner there let us put things in. And they'll sit there until the Z-Pard, the boat, did I say that right? Yeah, that's right, Z-Pard. Until the boat goes to Haiti. Um, okay, so the boat is in Norfolk, at a port in Norfolk. So Paul, so the boat was originally supposed to come here to the port in Hampton to pick up supplies. How come it's in Norfolk? So when we got here, um, the, the boat's bigger than Gene, who owns the marina, originally thought it was. So it was decided they were just too big to get into his marina. Uh -huh. And uh, the tow drivers didn't want to tow us in in case we, we got stuck and blocked the channel and stuff. So, <laughs> so we ended up having to find another, another place to go. That's how we ended up in um, Little Creek Marina in Norfolk instead. Are you paying for docking? Yes, yes. Um, at a very reduced rate, I think. And um, Gene from Salt Ponds Marina is actually um, paying for it, as far um, as I'm aware, as a donation. Um, so, where was you at the last stop before Hampton, Norfolk? So we were, um, at, we originally were in Miami, and then we'd intended to come straight here, but due to bad weather we had to pull in at um, Burford, North Carolina. So we ended up stopped there for a, a month, waiting for better weather to enable us to sail up to here. They say you're not supposed to ride in the back of a U-Haul, but uh, the other option would have been, I don't know what it would have been, but it would have been expensive and complicated, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think the cost of a, uh, an Uber or Lyft is around $100. So decided this was a better option. So Paul, how did you find out of it, this, about this boat and like decide to come on this adventure? So it was on uh, findacrew.net, ready to put uh, an advert on there. And I was, I was working at Amazon at the time and my contract was due to end, so I was just looking for something to do when that finished. And uh, that was it really, got in touch with Ray and flew out to the boat in Mexico. He was in Mexico at the time. So. How long ago was that? That was January last year, so January 2022. So what, between January of 2022 and when the boat finally left Yucatan in what, like February of 2023 or something yeah. like that? What were you doing? Um, just working on the boat really, doing repairs, getting, um, getting ready to sail, fixing things that are broken. And then I flew home for maybe four months during the summer of 2022. So I flew, 
flew back out to the boat in November. When, why, why did you, why were you browsing findacrew.net? Because uh, my, my contract at Amazon was due to end and I was just looking for something to do. Had you sailed before? I'd done two sailing courses back home in the UK. So I did like two five day courses. So I was very, still very new to it. Didn't really do a lot. Um, how did you feel, how do you feel about, I mean, so your expectations of like sailing versus spending a year fixing a boat, how has that been for you? What were your expectations? Like did you know that the most, most of the time would be fixing a boat? Well no, the, the original plan was to, uh, the boat was going to be ready to sail pretty much straight away when I got on it was, was kind of, was my uh, understanding when I joined the boat. So, so yeah, we were supposed to be sailing pretty much straight away and then sailing all the way to the Philippines. So we should have been in the Philippines like August last year. What happened? It, it's just, um, nothing really worked. It just all needed, <laughs> all needed fixing. Everything seemed to take twice as long as it should have done. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the mast broke, so we had to... Uh, yeah, we, we left Progresso where we were in Mexico and the mass broke so we had to turn around and go back and that was in the, cause that, that was when I flew back to the UK and uh-huh. afraid to fix the mast while I was back in the UK so uh-huh. it took a big chunk of time to get that sorted out. So you've stuck, stuck with it, it's been like a year and a half, how long, when you first signed up, when you first came, how long did you think you would be staying? Just six months. Really. I, I, I was expecting to kind of sail the boat to the Philippines and then be back home by like August, September last year. So you thought you were only going to be going for six weeks, but it's been a year and a half. How come you haven't just been like, I'm going home? I don't know. I kind of got to that point where it's like I've, I've spent too much time and put too much effort in to just give up now. It'll only be another, you know few weeks and then we'll get going, it'll only be in a few weeks and we'll get going and it's just uh, gone on and on and on. So you've seen some other crew come and go, come and go since you've been along? How many other people would you say have come and gone? Um, maybe six. Six of the people were on the boat or joined the boat around the same time as me and they, they all had to leave for one reason or another, whether it's university or to find work or carry on with whatever it was they were uh-huh. wanting to get on with. Are there things back home that you're missing, or you're feeling late for, or that you're anxious to get back for, or you just, it just seems like you're just chilling? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely missing, missing family and friends quite a lot. Um, but I've not, like, I've got to do with getting back to work and earning some money, but I'm all right for now, so. Mostly missing family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who do you miss in your family? Um, just spending time with my sister and my niece and nephews, probably the big one. It's Saturday, June 24th. I'm on the Zipard and dock in Norfolk here with Daisy. Um, <laughs> um, Daisy, how did you how did you find this boat or find Captain Ray? Um, I find Ray is uh, during the Philippines, so I met him. And uh, when he's uh, 
visit there in the Philippines because he trying to find a volunteer's crew. Uh -huh. So I'm presenting to him a uh, I can volunteers uh -huh. for free. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And then he decided to going for that uh, north of Luzon for Dinapegi mm -hmm. because he's a he's a donation for the tent because that's the typhoon. Uh -huh. So a lot of house there is a gun. Uh -huh. So me and raise a uh, plan to rent the car and then <clears throat> to going to Dinapegi. Uh -huh. So that's why I meet him because I uh, translate translator for Filipino to English. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And then try to find a tent. Uh -huh. So do you find that the tent for a nice to give to Dinapigi? Uh -huh. That's it. That's why me and Teresa uh -huh. made. And then continue. And the second, and the second is uh, he's a donate for again a uh, COVID. Uh -huh. So that's the second to me and him to meet. And then we plan to continue together. Uh -huh. So he decided me to bring a uh, Mexico uh -huh. to the fix in a boat. Uh -huh the boat and then going to Haiti. Uh -huh. So that's why this is it. So we plan already. Wow. So like, how long since you've been in the Philippines and seen your family? It's almost it's almost three years now. Three years you've been on the boat, connected to the boat for three years? Yes. So because me and the race is living for <coughs> three year, two years in Mexico and then sailing to come here. So we almost three years now. So you haven't been back to the Philippines no, since not then? Yet. Not um, yet. Not yet. So because uh, we need to finish first the mission to going to the Haiti to help, uh -huh. and then back to the Philippines for sure. They are happy again for the family. Uh, and and you have kids. How old are your kids? My kid is my old daughter is at uh, twenty one years old. My son is uh, nineteen years old, and my young daughter is uh, eighteen years old. How do you stay in touch? Uh, I stay in touch on the phone uh -huh. every every hours. <laughs> To call my kids and what's happening, what's uh -huh. happening there, my feet, my my pet, my my mom, my dad, everything is always updated. <laughs> uh -huh. Wow. Did you have any idea when you first joined the boat how long you would be on it? Uh, my first my first <laughs> my first to join is uh rigging. That's a rigging, yeah. Uh -huh. And then uh, Climbing the the mast, uh -huh. and then cleaning for that everything's in outside, and then grinder. Uh -huh. That's what I do. Uh -huh. That's I'm happy what I'm doing. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Wow. Thanks for all your hospitality. Yeah, your thank cooking you so and much. And how about cats? Do you like cats? Oh, my cat is my relief. <laughs> That's everything's I miss. This everyone is uh, get my. My stress. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How many cats are there? Uh, I have uh, four cats here in the Philippines. I have nineteen cats. That's all. Is uh, from street abandoned. Street uh, street so cats. yes. And, and and my plan also uh, when I come back to the Philippines, I want to to. Uh, a cat rescue and a dog rescue. Yeah, I want to the rescue for everything to help. Yeah. And these four cats on the boat, where did they come from? Uh, from in New Mexico. That is a risky cat. Wow. 
I have a lot of a rescue dog too in Mexico. That was an interview with Daisy from the Zipard boat and headed from Norfolk to Haiti with supplies. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. If you want to support that mission of getting that boat to Haiti, there is a GoFundMe page. If you look up GoFundMe, help the people of Ilavash Island, Haiti. That's what it is, and it talks about uh, Captain Ray. I think there's also maybe an International Rescue Group page that also you can donate through if you look up International Rescue Group, not to be confused with International Rescue Committee or something like that. Um, IRG is pretty small. That You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm your host, Ruthie Woodring. Stay tuned for Democracy Now! coming up at 5 o'clock. And here's something going on this weekend. My name is Nathan Chong. I'll be hosting a, a tour of downtown Holyoke this Saturday at 11.30 a.m. Uh, it's going to be sort of a strong town-themed walk. Uh, the actual walk will take about 40 minutes, but I schedule it for two minutes, two hours, so we can slowly walk and talk about things. Some of the sites you will visit include um, like the library, the artery, different parts of High Street, uh, the Victory Theater that's you know planned that's planning to be renovated, and so we'll meet at the uh, uh, the parking lot of Holyoke City Hall on Dwight Street, and then we'll um, start walking, um, going down to the merry-go-round and doing uh, this loop uh, from Chestnut Street to High Street. What time? What time? Are you uh, Eleven thirty a.m. Um, so Saturday, July 1st, 11.30 a.m. at the uh, Holyoke City Hall parking lot. Is it free? Yes, it's free. Totally free. I'm just, it's just me. I'm a Holyoke resident. I also work for the city of Northampton, but uh, basically it's not an official event. I'll just be, you know, leading a tour, talking about um opportunities and challenges for Holyoke in terms of zoning, parking limits or parking requirements, different strategies to improve downtown. Yeah, I'd like to make it more well, human, walker friendly. What is like strong towns? What does strong towns mean? Yeah, so it's a national urban planning um, advocacy group and any anybody can start a local chapter called the um, local conversation group. Literally anybody can start. You don't need any sanctioning. You just tell them, hey, I'm starting a group. So that's what I did a couple of years ago. And they're, they're sort of approaching urban planning from both like a safety aspect and also a financial aspect. They're finding out more traditional, walkable, less car-oriented uh, city development, especially also around downtown area. It tends to be much more resilient, both socially and financially. So it's a national advocacy group started by an urban planner and civil engineer, retired now, who uh, was you know, advocating different ideas. He focuses a lot on walkability, um, traffic safety, more human-oriented city design. And it's a bipartisan group. So they have different ideas and some disagreements, but I found it to be a very um, thoughtful and interesting group. So I thought, hey, let's just start a local group, conversation group. And I've uh, been hosting a few events here and there for the past year or so. Thank you, Nathan. There will be Bike Lab this Saturday as well. You want to learn to fix your bike? How to keep it tuned up so it's there for you when you need it? 
or maybe you know already, but you just need to borrow a bike-specific tool that you don't have. Well, come to the Bike Lab. Almost every Saturday since 2004. From 11.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Here in Northampton at 12 Northern Avenue. Come with your bike or your questions. And your willing attitude. <laughs> Spare part scavenger hunt every weekend. Vengan al Bike Lab de Northampton, el taller de bicicleta. Aprende a arreglar tu bicicleta y a divertirte. All repairs guaranteed to the end of the driveway. Details are online at pedalpeople.coop. That's the Saturday Bike Lab at 12 Northern Avenue. They say freedom isn't free, but at the Bike Lab it is. And also this weekend and beyond, today is Friday. And if anyone out there wants to play Ultimate, Ultimate, also known as Ultimate Frisbee, though Frisbee is a brand name. There's a pickup game in Haydenville Fridays at 6. Also, pick up Saturday afternoons at what time? I don't know, 2.30 or 3 at Veterans Veterans Field by the skate park. And also Tuesdays at 5.30 at Veterans Field. Also, Farmer's Markets, Northampton and Florence, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Saturdays. Thanks for listening to Out There. I'm Abraham Lasagna, and you're listening to Valley Free Radio 1033 FM WXOJLP in Northampton.